Let's pray together. Lord, it's our prayer that I would speak words that you've given me and make clear what the scriptures say, but it's also our prayer that you would do more than my words could ever do, but that you would apply them to us and speak to each one of us and reveal your love and and your plan and your will for each of us. So come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, Ephesians was written by Paul. He was in prison when he wrote it. Uh, it's, it's possible he was in prison in Rome when he wrote it, but it's also possible, and this makes reading it, uh, adds a little bit of interest. Uh, he may have been in Ephesus in prison when he wrote it. Uh, there are six chapters in Ephesians, and the big overview is the first three chapters, the first half of it, is Paul is making a case to say that Jews and Gentiles are equally brought into the kingdom, equally brought into the family of God, equally sharing in the inheritance and the blessings and the benefits of what it means to be a child of God through Jesus. The last three chapters are primarily about, well, if that's the case, then how do you live? What do you do? What does it look like when you do that? And some of it, yeah, was specific for this group of Christians living in Ephesus, and some of it was general for all Christians everywhere. Now, the the scripture that we just read was out of Ephesians 3, but as I was trying to get ready for it, y'all, I wrote two sermons. <laughs> you don't have to hear them both. In fact, the first one was so bad, I had to write the second one. Because I, I figured I needed to go back and, and start in, in chapter 1 to kind of set the stage for it, and then leave you to go ahead and be reading through Ephesians once we have that foundation built. So, I'm going to start in chapter 1, setting the stage for the whole letter that Paul is writing. And it starts after the greeting in verse 3, where Paul writes, All praise to God, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united in Christ. Now, how true does that feel when things are, especially when things are not going your way? You feel like you've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing that Jesus has? Um, we don't always feel that way. It's, it's, it's interesting, but... And, and I was trying to figure out, well, how, how is this true? Why is this true? Why would we get the blessings that, that Jesus has? And I, I heard about this, um, this visual, and, and it made sense to me. It was a pretty good visual. Uh, if, you know, here I have a, a bowl of water, and if that water represents Jesus, let's say, and then I have a sponge, and the sponge represents us. When we become believers in Jesus, when we start following Him, when we get initiated, as it were, into the, into the family of God, we're born again, and we enter into Christ, 
I put the water or the sponge in the water for uh, for those of you who are listening online. Now, I, I've got a question for you as you look at this. Is the sponge in the water? Yeah, we're in Christ when we become believers. I've got another question for you. Is the water in the sponge? Yes. Christ is in us. And at the same time, we're in Christ and He is in us. Therefore, what's true for the water is true for us. It's true for the sponge. It's true for the water. It's true for the sponge. What's true for Jesus is true for us. Does Jesus enjoy the blessings of heaven? Yes. And we are in Christ and He is in us. The problem is we still live in a place that is not brought into wholeness and redemption. We still live in bodies that get sick and die. We still live in a place where even though we know what the outcome is going to be, it has not been brought into its fullness. The world cannot commute to us all of the blessings that really belong to us. Not yet. And even if they could be given to us, something tells me that we couldn't bear up under the weight of the glory of those blessings. Not yet. We live in the middle of the now and the not yet. Where we have been redeemed, but yet we shall be one day redeemed. Where Jesus has won the battle, but yet the, the battle isn't finished. It, it's, there are things that are going on now where we see some of these blessings in our lives, but we don't yet see all of them. And it's not his fault. It's, it's the fault of the, the system of the broken world that we live in, and we're part of the brokenness too. Even though He's made us whole in one sense. We're not yet whole as we will be. It's the now and the not yet. But never doubt the love of the Father. Paul goes on. He says, even before He, even before God made the world, God loved us. Even before He made the world, God loved us. Even before He He." Spoke the world into existence even before he made the big bang boom. He loved us. Even before there were people on the planet, even before there was a planet, he loved us. And he chose us. That in the Messiah, we're going to be holy without fault in his eyes. Now, how, how can that be? It, it just doesn't make sense. The timing of it doesn't make sense. How can you love somebody who doesn't exist? I know a man who, as a single man, not knowing who he would marry, for years prayed for his future wife. He made decisions about what he would do and what he wouldn't do because he wanted to honor his future wife. The conversations he would have and wouldn't have. The thoughts he would think and wouldn't think. The, the relationship boundaries he would allow and he wouldn't allow because of his love for his future wife. He loved his wife before he knew who she was. Does that make sense? You, you, you've heard of 
families that have done this, maybe this is you. Uh, even maybe even before you're, they were married, uh, a man or, or a woman is is preparing gifts or toys or cribs for a baby that they don't yet have. Setting aside money in the savings account for a baby they don't yet have. They love that baby before that baby even exists outside of heaven. And God, in the same way, loved us. Even before there was an us to love. He had already decided that you and I would be made in his image. He'd already decided that he would pay any price for us to be made holy and blameless. Just like his son. Paul goes on. He says, God decided in advance. And in if you're reading along in your Bible, you may have God predestined. Ooh, there's a big word. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus the Messiah. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I love the, the translation here. It, it, it it takes the emphasis off of the in advance, off of the predestination, because we get a little bit bent out of shape about that. Let me tell you, folks, this does not mean that God decides who will and who won't be in. But God decided that everybody who comes in, everybody who takes him up on his invitation, comes into his family. They don't just get in the door. They're welcomed at the table. That's the predestination. Not whether or not you get in, but whenever you do, you're in the family. God wants all people to know the truth and to be saved. Therefore, everybody's invited. He decided beforehand that everybody who comes to him it, it, it becomes his, his child. Not everybody, folks, as you look around the world today, not everybody is a child of God. Everybody is made in his image. Everybody bears his likeness. Every, everybody is worthy of respect because God loves them. But you become a child of God. When you say yes to Jesus, when you say, I'll trust you. When you start there and you come in through Jesus, then you become a child. Then you become part of the family. You sit at the table with your father, Abba. And it gives him great pleasure when you do that. So, Paul says, we praise God for the glorious grace He's poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. If you belong to Him, there's great grace, things you don't deserve, that have been poured out upon you. Oh no, not me. I don't feel that. I don't care if you feel that. There's truth that goes beyond how you feel. And you have been given great, great gifts. Verse 7, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son. 
And then he forgave our sins. We, we praise God because we don't deserve any of it. You haven't earned a smidge. Even I, as a professional Christian. You can't earn this. He has done it all. And, and it cost him that which was most precious to him. But he still forgave us even though we set the price on what it would cost him. It gave him great pleasure to welcome us anyway. Let that sink in. I had a, I had a pastor who, who used to say, if that doesn't get you going, get you going your wood's wet. <laughs> Paul goes on, he says, God has showered his kindness on us. He has showered his kindness on us. Um, We get a lot of rain here in Florida. A lot of showers. Picture kindness coming down. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Can you imagine what it would be like uh, to, to, to cost someone the death of their child? It's your fault. It is your fault. You ran the stop sign. You pulled the trigger. You did. You, it's your fault. And yet, they welcome you into their family with gladness. And they shower kindness upon kindness upon you. Give you wisdom when you need it. Understanding when you need it. This is the grace of God to all of us. Paul goes on. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding the Messiah. Paul Paul is is well aware that not everything about Jesus was made clear in the Scriptures. There are some hints. There were some some things that everybody knew to be true. But we missed the big point, he says. There was something that we didn't know. It was a mystery. And now we know something we didn't know before. And it's a plan to fulfill God's own pleasure. This is something that gets God glad. This is something that makes it all worthwhile to God. And and, and Paul says, and this, here's the plan. If you missed it, here it is. Get ready. Buckle up. says at the right time, he's going to bring everything together under the Messiah's authority. Everything, not just the Jewish people. That's too small. Not not just the good people. That's that's too small. Not just the planet. That's too small. He's going to bring everything together under the authority of Jesus the Messiah. Everything in heaven, everything on earth, everything is going to come under his authority. What does that mean when you live in the now and the not yet? Not everything yet functions that way, does it? We know that. We mourn because of that. We get angry because of that. We have loss. We have longing. We have hurt and pain because of that. Because it's not yet 
as it will be. We recognize, don't you recognize not everything works the way that you feel like it should? That's not news to any of us, is it? I don't care if you're a church person or not. This may be the first time you set foot in a church. That's, that's probably, you get it, don't you? We all get it. it. Something's not right. It doesn't work right. That's true. But the gladness of God comes from the plan that He knows He's going to bring to fruition. There is no two ways about this. Jesus will be in charge of everything, even the things that are not yet looking that way. And He will make it right and good and the way it's supposed to be. All the things that have avoided coming under his authority so far, they won't have a choice. Not for long. And that should make us glad. You live in the now and the not yet, folks. You have promises that you can count on even though you haven't seen it come to pass yet. But God gets... Glad. God gets excited. God gets full of anticipation as he considers what's going to happen. If that happens for God, don't let it miss happening for you. Furthermore, furthermore, Paul says, because we're united with Christ, because we're in him and he is in us, We've already received an inheritance from God. He chose us in advance. And then he makes everything work out according to his plan. Does that mean that everything that happens is something that he planned? No. There is yet evil in the world, isn't there? God doesn't support it. God condemns it. God doesn't want it. He does not plan it. We're in the now and the not yet. There are things that are not yet brought completely under his authority. But he does have a plan. In the meantime, he can overcome and redeem even the most evil things that happen. The most broken things in your life in God's hands, can become something that He will use for your good, for your growth, for your depth, to to show you how much He loves you and cares for you, to show you what His mercy is like. Even the worst parts. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, even that part. Even that In the hands of God, he can redeem. Even though you did it and you deserved everything, even that God can use. He makes everything work out according to his plan. He will still yet redeem it all. He will still yet bring it all under the authority of Jesus. There is a fullness of All the spiritual blessings that Jesus enjoys that one day you'll see come to fullness. Jesus was in very nature God. 
And yet, he became, for our sake, a human being. He put on flesh so that, on our behalf, he could go to the cross. There's the grace and the truth of it. And because he has, he has won our freedom. He has won for us all the blessings that he enjoys. He has taken on himself all the penalties that we deserve. And we can trust him. And when we do and we receive him, he is in us and we are in him so that we can share in those blessings. Starting now and one day in all of its fullness and glory, which you could not yet bear. It's God's plan. And he's working it out. Let's pray. Oh, God. There's so much that we've already received. We don't deserve it. There's so much more that's coming that we can't imagine. For those who are among us that have not yet trusted you in those areas. Oh, God, help us to trust. Help us to look for how you redeem even those awful, broken, evil things in our lives. To see your hand at work. To see how you bring those promises to bear. Even through those times. Oh God, I pray that there would be those among us who are in this room. Who are listening online. Those who would trust you and find that you are real. And that all of this is true. Oh, Lord, thank you for the grace and the truth that has come to us in Jesus, our Messiah. And we bring you all praise because you're the God who works out everything according to your plan. And it is good. And we can come to you and say all these things and honor you through Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen.